Thank you for listening to our Emmanuel Baptist Church podcast sermon series by Pastor Sean Cole. Emmanuel exists to display God's glory, declare God's gospel, and to disciple for God's great commission. If you have any questions about this message or would like more information about our church, you can visit our website at www.ebc-online.org. Now here's Pastor Sean. You can turn to Galatians chapter 4, but I hope you brought your Bible or your electronic Bible. We're going to be looking at a lot of different verses of Scripture today, so it's going to be somewhat of a Bible drill. We don't do this a lot, but be prepared to turn in your Bible to different passages of Scripture. We're going to start in Galatians chapter 4 because that's where we've been looking at over the past few weeks. Galatians chapter 4. You know, our God is a wonderful creator. You think of all the amazing things that God has created. And this past week, I I went on the internet and found some images of some amazing rock formations that just were kind of capturing um, my my imagination. So let's look at the first one up here on the screen. Um, This is called the Arbo de Piedro. Um, It's an isolated rock formation. It's in Bolivia, and it's called the Stone Tree because it's shaped like a tree. It's 23 feet high. I know it's kind of hard to see here on the screens, but that's just a very interesting rock formation to me that starts out that small and goes up. You wonder why it doesn't just tip over as a rock formation. Let's look at the next one. The next one is called Organ Pipes. This is in the African country of Namibia. And you can see why they're called organ pipes. It's it's amazing to to see these rock formations. Uh, The next one is called Wave Rock. Uh, This is in Australia because what does it look like? It looks like an ocean wave, wave rock. Now, the next one is probably one you may have seen. Let's look at this. This is Bryce Canyon in Utah. Uh, when we were taking Aiden back to college the first time in, in, at California Baptist University, we were coming back on I-70, and we were going through this area, and it just rained, and so there was a rainbow over this amazing area. So, very beautiful. Okay, for those of you that are James Bond fans, the next one is from the movie The Man with the Golden Gun. It's just this weird rock formation that juts out, out of the water in Thailand. These are in the, the islands around Thailand. And then the last one... This, I don't know what you call this, but it looks like a, a fish tail or a whale's tail. This is in a small fishing village in Norway. Um, it almost looks like a dolphin tail or something like that. So these are interesting rock formations that God has created, but you think about the wind. You can bring the lights back up. You think about the wind. You think about the, wave, uh, the waves. You think about the sand and, and all the different things, erosion, that, that causes these things to be the shape that they're in. And it takes a lot of time for them to get that way. And I want you to think about God as our creator. He has a plan to shape you and to form you and to make you into something unique and interesting. And it may take time. It may take some things coming against you. But God has a purpose to form you, to shape you into what he wants you to be. And that is for Christ to be formed in us. So let's look at our passage of Scripture. We looked at it last week 
in great detail, but there's that one statement that Paul makes that has just stuck out to me, and I want to explore that this morning, because you just can't gloss over that, because it's the only time Paul ever mentions this specific concept in all of his writings. So let's look at Galatians chapter 4. Let's pick up in verse 15. We're just going to look at verses 15 through 19, and especially focus in on verse 19. Verse 15, what then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you. Remember the they's, the false teachers, the Judaizers, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It's always good to be made much of for a good purpose and not only when I'm present with you. And here's where we're going to camp out. My little children for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. That really caught my attention. What does it mean for Christ to be formed in you? It's the only time Paul ever uses this particular phrase, Christ being formed formed in us. Now, as we're going to see this morning, there's other places in the Bible where we're to be conformed or transformed to be like Christ, but this is saying that Christ is formed in us. What in the world does that mean? Well, it's the Greek word morpho, morpho. It's a very interesting word in the original language. That word means, it's a medical term, it means that an embryo grows into a fetus in a mother's womb and eventually gives birth into a baby. That's what that word meant. And that's the imagery that Paul is using here. Paul is like a spiritual father. Paul is a spiritual mother. He's their pastor. Paul has this this great desire as their spiritual leader to, to see Christ be formed in them. Paul's not going to be satisfied as their pastor until Jesus so dominates their lives, that their entire life looks like Jesus, that they're growing more to be like Jesus, they're maturing to be like Jesus, they, they think like Jesus, they talk like Jesus, they, they act like Jesus, they are growing into maturity. Now, this idea of Christ being formed in us has a lot of different words that have been used. Sometimes it's called progressive sanctification. Sometimes it's called spiritual renewal. Sometimes it's called just growing into maturity or growing to be Christ-like. Whatever word you want to use, but basically at its its core foundation, this whole idea is that you are growing, you are becoming more and more like Jesus. You're growing into spiritual maturity. You're growing to look like, to act like Jesus. Jesus. Now, in the context of what we saw last week, there's a couple things going on in this passage of Scripture. Remember, they had at first received Paul, and he had some type of ailment, and we don't really know what that ailment was. But then now, because he's telling them the truth about them being swayed by these false teachers, look at what he says there in verse 16. Have I then become your enemy by telling you, the truth. 
You, you guys don't like it now. You don't like me now that I'm telling you the truth. I'm confronting you with God's word. I'm telling you what it is. You're being led astray, and you don't want to hear the truth and nothing but the truth, so you're putting me at arm's length, and, I, and, and I'm, I'm becoming your enemy. That's what he's telling the Galatians. And then also, go back to verse 15. He asks the question, what's become of your blessedness? What's become of your joy? What's become of that, that joy you had when you first got saved? So in the context, the immediate context right here of Galatians 4, spiritual maturity, growing to be like Christ, I think shows up in two different ways. Number one, do you welcome the confrontation of God's word when it's preached to you and do you receive it so that you can repent, even if it hurts? So part of spiritual maturity is, I welcome the whole truth of God's word, even if it's going to hurt me. Even if it's going to expose sin in my life, I welcome it. That's a sign of spiritual maturity. I welcome God's word into my life to expose my sin so that I can repent. But also, another aspect is that you're, you're growing in the blessedness of your salvation. What happened to your blessedness? You're daily reminding yourself of the gospel. You're reminding yourself of the joy you had when you were first saved. Part of spiritual maturity is you have that joy of your salvation, the joy of the Lord as your strength. So in the immediate context, spiritual maturity is do you welcome the word of God even when it hurts? And do you have the joy of your salvation front and center? Now, in this passage of scripture, the Greek word is just morpho. It's morpho by itself. But there are other places in the Bible where this word shows up in compound ways. Metamorpho, symmorpho, different ways this morpho word shows up in the Bible. And if you trace it through Paul's writings, it helps us understand what it means to grow into Christ. It's interesting, every time Paul uses morpho or one of its cognates, it's always in what we call the passive voice. It's very, very important that it's in the passive voice. Now, what do I mean by passive? Passive means you're not the one doing the transformation. You're not the one producing the growth. God's the one that's acting upon you to cause it to happen. So any growth that you experience, any maturity that you experience, any transformation that you experience to look more like Jesus, you're not the one producing it. God is doing it in and through you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul addresses this in Philippians chapter 2, 12 through 13. He tells us, Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now not only is, is in my presence, but much more in my absence. Okay, you have the responsibility. You work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You have a responsibility to place yourself in positions where you're going to grow. But at the end of the day, God is the one that's going to do two things in your life. He's going to give you the will. Okay, he's going to give you the desire to do it. And he's going to give you the power to do it. So any growth that you experience, God gives you the desire to want to grow. It comes from God. And God gives you the actual power to grow. So if you experience any fruit, if you experience any maturity, if you experience any transformation, if you experience any type of spiritual growth in your life, it's because God has produced it. 
God has given the growth. God has worked in you to give that to you, which gives you great assurance. It's good news to know that you're never left to yourself. You never have to live the Christian life by yourself in your own strength, by blood, sweat, and tears, trying to grit it out, hopefully making use of, uh, of all these things to somehow grow in your own power. Go back to Galatians 3 for a moment. Remember how Paul started this discussion back in chapter 3, verse 2. He says, let me ask you this only. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Galatians, the Holy Spirit was the one that caused you to become a Christian. He births faith in your heart. He caused you to be born again. Why are you trying to live the Christian life in the flesh? You started with the Holy Spirit. You continue to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's crucial in this role of making us more like Jesus. So what I want us to do, and this is where you're going to need to turn in your Bibles, is we're going to go to six passages of Scripture the first four passages of Scripture all use that, Paul uses that word morpho or some type of usage of the word morpho. And in the last two passages of Scripture, he uses a different word, but it all tells the same story. As we look at these six passages of Scripture, we're going to paint a comprehensive picture of what does it look like for you and me to grow spiritually, to mature into Christ-likeness, to have Christ formed in you. What does it look like? So the first place we're going to go is Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. So this is where we start turning in our Bibles. We're leaving Galatians, and this is the first of the six passages that we're going to look at that are going to give us an idea of, of what it means to have Christ formed in us to grow into spiritual maturity. So Romans 8, a very familiar passage of Scripture, Romans 8, 28 and 29. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Here's truth one that we get from Romans chapter 8. Before time, God sovereignly planned for you to be like Christ. Before time, God sovereignly planned it for you to be like Christ. Now, we love verse 28, right? All things work together for good. For those who love Jesus, who've been called according to his purpose, all things work together for good. Question, what's the good that Paul's talking about that all things work together for? Is it, is it just a generic good? No, verse 29 tells us what that good is. What's the good that God has promised for us? Well, look at verse 29. For, okay, because those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. There's a couple of words in verse 29 you really need to pay attention to. Those whom he foreknew. Now, obviously, God has foreknowledge of all things that are going to occur. It's not talking about God just knowing in advance things. 
What God foreknows is actually people, those whom he foreknew. That word foreknow really means that God put his love, God put his covenant love on you before time. God put his special love upon you before you were ever even created. The world was even created. Okay, so God foreknew you in a very special way. And then the second thing you see in there is he predestined. Now, that's more the plan. Okay, so God knew you. God loved you. But then he sovereignly set up a plan. He predestined something to happen. God had a plan. We find out in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, this same language. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. So let's ask a question. If God foreknew you and God predestined you to something, what's the good that God has been working in eternity past for you? Well, the the verse answers the question. You've been predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. God's plan from you from the very beginning was that you would be conformed. Now, it's a different Greek word. It's sim. Morpho. Not just morpho, but sim morpho. When you put sim in front of morpho, that word sim means like or just like. God has planned for you to be just like Jesus, to look just like Jesus, to be conformed to the same image of Christ. So think about this. There's a past, a present, and a future aspect to you being like Jesus. In eternity past, God planned for you to look like Jesus. Right now, in the present, God is working in you through the Holy Spirit to get you to look like Jesus. And then in the future, one day, finally, when you receive your resurrected body, when you are resurrected and you have a glorified body, then you'll ultimately be like Christ. So from beginning to the middle, to the end, God is planning or has planned or will plan you to look like Jesus. And it should give you great confidence that what God started in eternity past, he's going to finish. You don't have to worry. Is God going to finish this project called me? Is God going to give up on me? Is God going to somehow stop the process? No, if he started it in eternity past and he's doing it right now, he's going to carry it on to completion. That's why Philippians 1.6, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will do what? Bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So truth number one, God has planned this for you in eternity past and he's going to make sure it gets done that you're going to look more and more like Jesus. All right, let's go to our second passage of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So we're jumping out of Romans. Turn two books over or swipe or open, however you, however you get to your Bible these days. I have no idea. Um, on your phones, on your tablets with leather, and it, like I say, you use a real Bible like me. No, it's okay if you have an electronic device. It's all God's word. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 18. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 18. Again, we're looking at how Paul uses these, these morpho words 
to give us an idea of what it means for Christ to be formed in us, Christ to, for us to look like Christ, to grow in Christ, to mature in Christ. And so Romans told us that God has planned it in eternity past. Okay, let's look at 2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We are being transformed into the same image. Here's truth number two. I've said this many times. I'm going to say it again. The more you look at Jesus, the more you will look like Jesus. Let me unpack what Paul's saying here. The more you look at Jesus, the more you will begin to look like Jesus. Now Paul here says in verse 18, we all. This is for every Christian. This is not just some super Christian where you've received this super status, you're a super Christian. We all are beholding the glory of Christ. Now, the ESV uses the word beholding. Your translation may say something like looking into a mirror. It really means to look into a mirror, to keep on continually looking into a mirror. And here's the idea. What happens when you look into a mirror? What, ha- what usually happens? You see what? Hopefully you see yourself, right? Okay, I'm making sure you're awake. It's, real easy. it's not Greek or anything. You look into a mirror, you look back, and you see yourself. Okay. Who's the mirror you look into? Jesus. So Paul's thing is the more you look at Jesus and you look back at yourself, the more you begin to look like Jesus. Now, what does it mean to look at Jesus? Does it mean like you look up at heaven and see, I think I can see him way up there? Or do you wait for some mystical experience for Jesus to show up to you in the middle of the night? What does it mean to keep on looking at Jesus? Every time you open your Bible and you read the scriptures, you're looking at Jesus. Every time that you're praying, you're looking intently at Jesus. Every time you're fellowshipping with other believers and you're doing Bible study or you're doing worship, you're looking at Jesus. Every time we take the Lord's Supper, we're in a sense looking at Jesus. Every time you're saturating yourself with looking at Jesus through the scriptures, as in like a mirror, you're being renewed. What does Paul say here? Notice it's in the present tense. You are being transformed. Okay, so in the Romans passage, God planned it in eternity past for it to happen. Here, Paul says, the more you you look at Jesus, the more you behold him as in a mirror, the more you're being transformed. A little different word there. Metamorpho. Not symmorpho, meta. When you have meta there, that means changing or growing. Or adding. In other words, you're always growing to look more like Jesus. The more you look at Jesus, the more you begin to look like Jesus. And here's the interesting thing about it you realize that the more you look at Jesus, the more you look like Jesus, the more other people are going to see Jesus in you. You're going to reflect the glory of Christ to a watching world. So this is not just for you, for yourself. It's, 
I, I look at Jesus the more I study the scriptures, and the more I do that, the more I'm beginning to look like Jesus, and the more people around you are like, wow, they're starting to look more and more like Jesus. It's this ongoing process. And, and who does it? Well, it says this comes from the Holy Spirit. This comes from the Lord, who's the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So we keep on looking to Jesus. That's why Hebrews 12, 2. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Look to Jesus. Keep gazing at Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So God has planned this for you. The more you look at Jesus, the more you begin to look like Jesus. Now let's go back into Romans, Romans chapter 12. Another very famous passage of Scripture, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Uh, we're going to see the word metamorpho, okay? So morpho, metamorpho, symmorpho, all these morpho words in the Greek language that Paul's got an affinity for using help us understand what it means to be transformed, what it means to be conformed to the image of Christ. So Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Okay, here's truth number three. The Lord transforms your mind so that you obediently worship him as a lifestyle. Okay? Your goal in the Christian life is to live a lifestyle of worship. How does that happen? It starts in your mind, where your mind is being transformed. Your mind is being renewed. The battleground often starts in your mind before it actually ends up in how you live. And so in verse 2, Paul gives two commands, one negative, one positive. What's the negative command? First is negative. Do not be conformed to this age. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Don't be influenced. Don't be conformed by this world, this world over which Satan holds sway. Uh, John says it this way in 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. The world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Do not be conformed to this world. But, second thing in that verse, positive, but instead keep on continually being metamorphosized, okay? Transformed. Be transformed. It's the same verb we saw in 2 Corinthians 3. Keep on continually being transformed by the renewal of your mind. Now, you can't produce this transformation. Only the Holy Spirit can. But you can put yourself in a position, you can put yourself in a posture to where the Holy Spirit can do this. It depends on how you, you, you fill your mind. If you're filling your mind with the things of Scripture with the things of the Lord, if you're saturating yourself with the things of God, then your mind is going to be transformed. 
If you're filling yourself with the things of the world, you're not going to be transformed. You see, you have a responsibility in this process to put yourself in positions where you fill your mind with the things of the Lord. That's why Paul says in Philippians 4.8, Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think. Keep on continually thinking about these things. Fill your mind with the things of the Lord, and He will begin to transform you so that your mind will be renewed, and then that will express itself out in a lifestyle of worship. You'll be able to offer your body as a living sacrifice. Uh, the Kaiser Family Foundation did a recent study of technology. The impact of technology on children and teenagers, it was called Generation M2, Media and the Lives of 8 to 18-Year-Olds. we got a lot of 8 to 18-Year-Olds in here. Here's what they found out. 8 to 18-year-olds spend more time with media than any other activity besides maybe sleeping. Some of you parents are like, yeah, I can attest to that. Video games and sleeping is all my kid does. Um, an average of more than seven and a half hours a day, seven days a week. Okay, now here's what was startling. Okay, so the, the average 8 to 18-year-old consumes seven and a half hours of media a day. With multitasking, okay, what's multitasking? Got my phone in one hand, I got my game control in the other hand, and I got Netflix on watching okay, three different things. They actually consume 11 hours of media in that 7.5 hours of time frame. You catching the math there? The math doesn't make sense. In 7.5 hours, because of multitasking, a, a teenager is consuming 11 hours of input. Parents, children, teenagers, ask yourself, on a daily basis, what are you filling your mind with? Whatever you fill your mind with, if it's of this world, you're going to look like the world. Let's just put it the other way. The more you look at the world, the more you look like the world. The more you look at Jesus, the more you begin to look like Jesus. What are you filling your mind with to be transformed? You do this through reading scripture. You do this through focusing on the gospel. And then through time, what does Paul say here? You'll be able to test what God's will is. As your mind is, see, here's the process. You put yourself in a position where you're filling your mind with the things of the Lord. The Holy Spirit begins to transform your mind. And then he begins to work in your heart to where you begin to obey and live a lifestyle of obedience. And then through that process, you know more and more what God's will is for your life and how to live that out. Okay, so that's truth number three. All right, let's go to Philippians chapter three. This is the, <clears throat> the last of where Paul uses these morpho languages this morpho word. So Philippians 3, 10 through 11. Philippians 3, 10 through 11. I'll wait till you guys get there because I like to hear the rustling of paper, the rustling of the Bible, verse, Bible pages. Philippians 3, 10. I like the way the NIV puts it, but the ESV says, that I may know him. I think the NIV says, I want to know him. 
and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Here's truth number four, and you're not going to like it. Are you ready? Here's truth number four. Being like Jesus means you will have power to suffer well for him. Okay? Being like Jesus means you will have power to suffer well for him. Paul says in this passage of Scripture, I want to know Jesus. Don't we all want to know Jesus more deeply? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you have found yourself stagnant in your faith? You have that, that holy angst or that, that holy dissatisfaction where you know your life is not where it needs to be with Jesus. That's where Paul was. Paul's like, I want to know Jesus. And he says, I want to know the power of his resurrection. We're there with you, Paul. Amen. I want to know Jesus. I want to know your power. And then Paul drops the bomb and says, oh, yeah, and I want to share in his sufferings. Say what, Paul? Share in suffering? Oh, I like the power. Give me the power. But the power to share in suffering? What if I were to tell you that for God to do a major work of renewal in your heart, for God to grow you spiritually would take a major interruption in your life where you had to suffer. And that was God's plan for you, was to suffer for a period of time to grow you to be more like him. Would you welcome it with joy? Would you say, yeah, Jesus, sign me up for that? None of us want to suffer. But Paul says, listen, part of becoming like Jesus is having the power to suffer well, to share in his suffering. And notice also what he says there. And becoming like him in his death. Becoming like him. That is the same word that was used back there for semmorpho, being like Jesus in his death. You know, A.W. Tozer said this, It is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. Have you been hurt by suffering? And has it resulted in blessing to be more like Jesus? So Paul says, listen, I want to know Jesus. I want to have power. I want to share in his suffering. But Paul's ultimate hope, Paul knows one day, the ultimate hope of all Christians is to be like Jesus in his death. Now, what does it mean to be like Jesus in his death, to, to morph into Jesus like his death? Well, how did Jesus die? He died on the cross and he rose again. Does that mean that we're going to die on the cross? No. Does it mean we're going to rise again? Yes. We're going to rise again the same way that Jesus rose. Look at verse 11. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. You know, Paul's ultimate goal was to live is Christ, to die is gain. I want to have more of Jesus. And ultimately, my ultimate hope is I know one day when I die, whether Jesus comes back first or, or whatever, I'm going to rise again with a new glorified body 
to where I will be ultimately like Jesus, to live forever in the new heavens and the new earth with Jesus in a glorified body like Jesus. Just go down just a few verses into to chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 20. He tells us. Look at verse 20 and 21. Chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, Paul tells us. They're in Philippians. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21, who will what? What's the word in your Bible? Transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. At that final day, Jesus is going to transform our bodies into a death like his and a resurrection like his to where we will receive the resurrection from the dead. Okay, that's the four verses where the word morpho shows up. Symmorpho, metamorpho, morpho, um, morph to be like Christ. Now we're going to turn to two other passages of Scripture where Paul uses a different word, but it carries the same idea. So let's go to Ephesians. I know we're flipping all through the Pauline epistles here, but it's fun to see how all this works together. Go to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 20 through 23. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 20 through 23. Paul writes, But this is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self or your old man, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self or the new man created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Here's truth number four. Being like Jesus involves putting on a renewed self that walks in holiness. You've put on a new man. You're, you're a new self. It's like clothing metaphor that Paul says. You, your old self, that's, that's dead. You've taken that off. You've, you've put on the new self. And in verse 23, he says, you're being renewed in the spirit of your mind. You're being renewed. That word renew means to cause something to become new and different with the implication of becoming superior. So what was your former life like? You were dead in sin. You were enslaved to sin. Paul says that old life has died. You put that life to death. You're now a new person. You're, you have the new man, and you're being renewed in the spirit of your mind. To do what? Well, let me ask you a very simple question. What is God ultimately like? What's God like? Well, you could say, well, God's loving, God's, God's perfect, God's creator. Absolutely. What if I were to say to you, God is holy, would you say amen? Yes, God is holy. God is righteous. Amen. Okay, if God is holy and God is righteous, and we're being renewed to act and look like God, what does that mean for our lives? Well, Paul tells us. Look there in verse 24. To put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness 
and holiness. You see, when you are being transformed, when you're being renewed, you begin to walk, you begin to have a lifestyle that's like God. You begin to walk in holiness. You begin to walk in righteousness. You begin to walk in integrity. Your lifestyle is different than it was before you were a Christian. Paul, I mean, Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it's written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Paul says it's a done deal. Your old life has been put to death. You're, you're, you're a new man. You're a new self. Live in the reality of that. Live in the renewal of that. Walk in the holiness of that. All right, let's look at the last verse, Colossians 3.10. Colossians 3.10. Almost the exact same wording as the Ephesians, but just a little different twist. Ephesians and Colossians are very similar in content. Colossians 3.10. And have put on the new self or the new man which is being renewed same language there in knowledge after the image of its creator so here's truth number six being like jesus means being renewed in your knowledge of god you see the ephesians passage of scripture focused on your conduct your walk how you live your life your lifestyle this Colossians passage talks about your knowledge. And you need both. You need knowledge of God, and you need to walk with God. And so part of growing to be more like Christ is that you're, you're growing more and more in your knowledge. And when I talk about knowledge, I'm not just saying, hey, I'm getting Bible trivia so I can win a trivial pursuit game. It's not doctrine dumping where you're just getting facts and figures. No, we're talking about true experiential knowledge of God. You know God through experience. You read his word. You experience life with God. It's more, when Paul uses the word knowledge there, it's more of an experiential, deep knowledge of God that comes through experience. Are you knowing him? Are you growing in that knowledge through reading his word, through prayer? Not just knowing more facts about God, but are you growing knowing him? All right, so let's recap these, these six truths of what it means to grow in Christ. One, before time, God sovereignly planned for you to be like Christ. Number two, the more you look at Jesus, the more you begin to look like Jesus. Number three, the Lord transforms your mind so that you can obediently walk in holiness and worship as a lifestyle. Number four, being like Jesus means he gives you power to suffer well for him. Five, being like Jesus means you're having a renewed self that walks in holiness. And number six, being like Jesus means you're being renewed in your knowledge of God. One thing I need to stress, this is not instantaneous. Would that you could put yourself in a microwave, put it on for two minutes, and pop out as a mature Christian. Who would, who would love that? Like popcorn. This is a process that takes time that God is working on you. There are ups and there's downs. There's painful times and there's good times. There's degrees of growth and there's, there's times where you're growing more and there's times when you're growing less. There's, it's a process. 
But Paul gives us some very good news. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 9. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God, not to us. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. You ever feel like that at times? Do you ever feel distressed, distraught, discouraged, stressed out, pressure from all sides, like everything around you is crumbling down, that the world's coming in and pressing at you. I'm distressed. I'm afflicted. I don't see any spiritual growth at all, Lord. I don't see you working in my life. I don't see the growth. Well, let me give you the encouragement in just a few verses down. In verse 16, this is what Paul says. We do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Don't lose heart, Paul says. You may look at your life right now and say, you know what, I don't see the growth. I don't think I'm at that level of maturity where I need to be. Man, I can't tell you how many times I struggle two steps forward, one step back. I feel like a failure half the time. I don't see the growth. And Paul says, don't lose heart. Don't be discouraged. On the outside, it may look like chaos. But what's happening on the inside? The Holy Spirit's renewing you day by day. If God planned it in eternity past, he's going to carry it on. Sometimes we don't see it. Praise the Lord for the times God works in your life when you don't even see it. And you look back and you're like, man, God worked there and I didn't even see it. Praise the Lord. He's always working in your life whether you see it or not. So as your pastor, I'm like Paul. What was Paul back in Galatians? Paul said, man, I'm like a, I'm like a mother giving birth to these children. And the one thing I want to see... The one thing that's my desire is that Christ would be formed in you. That Christ would be formed in you. My prayer is that we would all grow to look more and more like Jesus every day. That we would be transformed. We would be conformed. We would be renewed day by day to look like Jesus. Here's the confidence I have. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt God is more than powerful enough to do it. He will do it whether you feel it or not. God's at work in your life to conform Christ in you. So praise the Lord for his grace and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Let me ask you to bow your heads this morning. A few moments asking the Lord to transform you, asking the Holy Spirit to form Christ in you, asking the Lord to do this work of renewal in your heart. I can't do it for you. You can't even do it for you. Only the Holy Spirit can do you, but you can sure pray for it and ask for it. Beg him for his grace and mercy in your life.
Lord, I'm thankful that you have not left us to our own devices to try to fix this on our own. But Holy Spirit, you live in us, and, and we are being transformed to look like Jesus. And Father, you have planned this in eternity past for us to, to be like Jesus, and you're going to carry it on to completion. And you renew our minds, and you renew our hearts, and you, you grow us. We're so thankful for that. Lord, my prayer is for, for all of us in this room, especially, Lord, my prayers for those that just are struggling this morning. Maybe they're struggling with their walk with Christ. They don't feel like they're making progress. They don't, they don't sense that, that growth in their life. Lord, would you just assure them and give them encouragement to know that, Lord, you're at work in their heart. Now, they may need to make some changes, and they may need to put themselves in a posture to, to, to have their, their minds renewed, but, Lord, help them know that you have not forgiven, given up on them, that, that you're still working in their hearts. And, and, Lord, would all of us grow to be more and more like Christ? Lord, we want to be a spiritually mature, dynamic, growing Christian, and we also want to be a spiritually dynamic, growing church full of Christians. Lord, we want to be um, just, just mature, growing, thriving being all that you've called us to be. So, Lord, my prayer is that it would be the same prayer as Paul, that Christ would be formed in all of us in very powerful and tangible ways that we would grow more and more like you, Jesus. And we thank you and we praise you for this work that you do, Holy Spirit, in us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.